Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Pompa, two-time Super Bowl champion, Carl Banks. So, Carl, uh, phase two of the offseason program is kind of in the books. This is when uh, the offensive guys and defensive guys cannot go together. They can't have pads on. So they kind of just work against air. They work against upside down garbage cans, but there's a team building thing that comes with all this to kind of get guys on the field, in the cafeteria together, in the gym together. Um, You know, this is the team building as is constituted in 2023 in the national football league. And the giants seem to be having a pretty good turnout here so far. Yeah, and I think when you look at um, how they're going about this, so there's the player-to-player camaraderie, uh, that team-building exercise, being in the weight room with each other, encouraging everybody to lift more, run harder, run faster, one more rep. And then there's the interaction with the coaching staff. And um, I think what Brian Dable is doing, and I'm sure a lot of other teams are doing it, but just the ability to connect with players through different events. If it's bowling, if it's escape room, you know, the escape room deal was, I I just read about that may have been the most uh, brilliant exercise you could have, because that is all about depending on one another in these escape rooms. You like, it's, it's, you know, somebody's got, everybody's got to make a contribution, right. In order for you to get out of that room. If you go, if you go with a date, it's critical thinking, right? And it's it's fun. So um, just some of those things that they're doing is just continues to, to um, solidify his status as a guy that players want to play for, a guy that uh, players enjoy playing for and love being coached by. Yeah, you know, they have the basketball shooting, rope pulling. They, they have all kinds of things that they're sure. doing. Uh, one guy that's not involved in any of this, obviously, is Saquon Barkley because he has not signed his tender, nor should he sign his tender at this point. Uh, they're hoping to get some kind of long-term deal done before July 17th or else it's sign your franchise tag, come in, and then you have mm-hmm. this whole disjointed thing. Um, you know, I think we also have to understand that there is communication between players and people within the organization and the player. It's kind of not like, it's not like the old, it's not like the old days where there was no, tell me that they actually talk to each other during this period. Because according to Twitter, there was an offer. There was a rejection of an offer and the guy's just sitting there stewing. And that's not true. Well, I mean, well, sources close to, Somebody that is not related to the organization of Barkley keeps putting these things out there as if there's no communication where I, you know, I I don't know, Bob, I think, you know, there's a stalemate and Barkley's dug in and there's no communication and that's that. Well, I mean, I think there's two, there's two avenues here, right? There's the, There's the communication between his representatives in the organization uh-huh. about a potential deal. But then there's also communication between Barkley and P. 
people within the building and teammates where, you know, this constant communication sure. in the fact that, you know, just wanting to make sure that, you know, just because you're not here, you're not being thought of because mm -hmm. they could give you, they could give you the whole line of, Hey, we got, you know, the old parcels line. Like we can only go with who's here. Right. You know, yeah. you can't help us in the training room. You know, you're either here or you're not here. It's a little different in 2023. There's this thing called FaceTime. Yeah. And there's this ability for constant dialogue and reassurance between both sides and communication that exists behind the scenes. So let's not discount that. It's not like he's sitting in a dark room somewhere, isolated, never hearing from anybody. There's the contract side, and then there's the human side. Right. And I don't think uh, the Giants are in the business of dehumanizing their team leader. Um, it's 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 business, folks. Um, let it play out until we hear directly from uh, someone in Giants management or Saquon Barkley himself or his agent. Let's not assume that every article is written is gospel because it is not. Um He's their leader. Uh, I think the last uh, communication that we heard from Joe Shane is that they, they've now resumed talking. They made it a point, like, after the draft, they would revisit things. So let's just assume, unless we hear that it's not getting done, let's assume that they are working towards getting something done that everybody could be happy with. So uh, you and I had a chance for all the giant social media platforms to record some inside the film rooms, taking a look mm -hmm. at the draft picks. Yeah. And um, I want to start with Deontay Banks. Now, Deontay Banks is a very interesting individual. I've had a chance to spend a little time around him. He's very humble. He's very soft-spoken. Um, he is very confident, yet modest. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like uh, at the Giants town hall the other night, you know, he, he answers questions in like three words. That's it. He's not like a huge public talker. He's, he's a kid. He's just coming yeah. out of college. Yeah. But there's a lot that you had a chance to really study him on film and break him down <clears throat> with a, you know, two-time Super Bowl champion, you know, Hall of Fame player for the decade eyes. What jumped out most at you about Deontay Banks? Well, a lot. I can tell you this, uh, folks. There, for me, and I've been around uh, four championships in this organization and a lot of different players when uh, there weren't, a lot of good players that were not on those teams. And Deontay Banks, out to... The first guy, after looking at it and I digested it, and I'll, I'll get into what I like about him, aside from the fact that he's 6'2 and rangy and physical, um, he reminded me a lot of Mark Collins coming out of college. What is Mark Collins? The thing that you should be so excited about, and that's why Mark Collins played right away, the thing that you should be excited about, Tay Banks, is that he is committed to fundamentals. He's technique oriented and he's physical and he tackles. And when I say that, you cut the film on 
his attention to detail in terms of alignment, technique, fundamental, situational awareness. If he's playing outside technique and the ball comes out to him, he's not going to be blocked to the inside of a wide receiver. He's going to maintain the edge. I mean, he's a big physical kid, but he can find the football in the run game and make a tackle. In the pass game, again, he uses his technique to his advantage. And that's the one thing that I think uh, Jerome Henderson and Wink Martindale is going to love about I'm sure that's why they drafted him where they did. Because fundamentally, he's not flawed. He's not the kid when you get him in and say, okay, we got to work with him on this, but the things are there. He comes in with a skill set. Here's the other part. He played, it's only two conferences in football right now, folks, that play physical football. It's Big Ten, SEC, and then Big Ten, right? So the level of competition in terms of physicality and talent from a game-to-game basis. Every school in the Big Ten's got talent. They're not all Ohio State, but they all got talent, right? Um, He is that kid who, when you see him line up, he'll get the call in the huddle, and you'll see him line up, and the coaches will be like, wow, he knows what he's doing. Um, But he is that guy. He gives me a lot of Mark Collins. And that's why Mark Collins was, a, a you know, one of our best football players on our championship teams. He was my, my, uh, my wingman, if you will, because we play on the same side together, but just fundamentally, you could see his footwork is great. Alignments are always good uh, techniques, whether it's run or pass. And then he's physical at the end of a play. And that's as complete a, a thing as you can get for a kid coming out of college. Yeah, one of the plays that we illustrated, which it it speaks to his strength, and you pointed it out to me, but, you know, he's covering a guy on a go route, and, you know, he's using his physicality as he's running down the field to squeeze the guy closer and closer to the sideline as the receiver was trying to use his physicality as he's coming up the field to keep enough width between himself and the sideline to make a play on the ball. And Banks does a really good job while in full stride of using his strength to keep that guy pinned against the sideline where it's almost impossible to make a catch outside of Justin Jefferson going up one-handed yeah. and making some ridiculous and chances play. are he wouldn't come down and bounce. And the, the, when you see this, folks, our inside the field, I'm, I'm not sure where we're going to put it up, but it starts with his alignment. He never puts himself at a disadvantage. When he sees the wide receiver on the outside edge of the numbers, he's playing inside technique. All he has to do is turn and run and then just starts squeezing. He did not let the receiver get ahead of him to try to catch up. He played it as perfect as he can get. And as he as they're going stride for stride, he just widens his stride and the receiver gets pushed. He's only two yards between the um the, the receiver and the sideline anyway. And he scrolls that down to like a yard. And by the time the ball was in the air, if the ball was going to be thrown in bounds, it was Tay Banks's to have, and he he made the interception. So uh that is what you should really be excited about with this kid because he comes in with a skill set 
that's pro ready, but he's going to be fun to coach because he has so many things um, that he knows how to do at a pro level already. And the other thing, I mean, that really jumped out in the all the plays that we watched was the ability to tackle, to be able to sift through, have awareness, and have a high football IQ to start with of identifying what the offense is trying to do to him and then find ways to get skinny. And his version of tackling is almost safety-like. You know, like yeah, he he makes he's a physical tackler, um, Bob. But the other part of it too, and and why this helps the Giants, right? Because when we looked at the Minnesota game, and we looked at Philadelphia, all three games, and more games in in the season, the one thing you notice, Giants Giants defensive backs could not get off of blocks of wide receivers. They just couldn't. You had bigger wide receivers on smaller defenders. Um, and that was the advantage that a lot of teams had. Like, if you can get to the edge, you can block their wide receivers. I mean, their um, their cornerbacks because they can't get off blocks. You got physicality with this kid. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if he's out there early uh, in this season and may end up being a, a week one guy who plays a lot. I just want to keep it on the defensive side of the ball because uh, I know you did a breakdown on the sixth round pick, Trey Hawkins, who the Giants selected. And uh, look, he played at Old Dominion, so he's playing at you know a different level of competition. He was taken in the sixth round. You're not necessarily expecting the guy to come in to be a starter, but there are certain things that you saw in him physically watching him on yep. tape that get you excited about him having a role on this football team uh, within the framework of this defense, a supportive role, but a role nonetheless that's well, important. that role could increase, but, um, you know, for point of reference, Giants fans, imagine Corey Webster in a lesser program than LSU. I mean, he's got great physical skills, six foot three, you know, he's about 210 to runs like the wind. He is, he reminds me, just I say as a point of reference, he reminds me of Corey Webster in his athleticism. He is not as refined as Webster coming out. Webster played at LSU and he had a lot of things. But this kid, Trey Hawkins, I'm going to tell you what they like about him. Uh, because he came, number one, he came out of uh, OD, but OD did a lot of blitzing. So he has a sense of timing, right? He can blitz. He's long. He can impact the quarterback. He's not a, a small corner rushing the pass and the, and the quarterback can see right over him. He's long. I mean, when he puts his hands up there, he blocks out the sun for some of these quarterbacks, but he's long, he's fast, right? He also understands blitz concepts meaning if they're blitzing someone he knows how long he has to cover right and you could see in some instances when i was looking at film of no him knowing okay this ball is going to come out i got to make sure i cover this guy this for this far so these are things that 
he comes into this defense with that Wink Martindale and, and staff can work with because he's a guy you're going to use a lot in blitzing, but he can also cover. He's long. And if you're, if you're blitzing and you give a guy the one assignment, right? It says ball's coming out. This is the route you got to anticipate. He can do that. He will be the guy that is going to be a work in progress, but the operative word in progress, because he's going to play because he's athletic. He's long. He understands blitz concepts uh, because they did it in at, at old dominion. Um, and so they're going to use him in blitzes. They're going to use him to cover some too. He will, but he's going to have to, his biggest challenge right now at the NFL level is refining his coverage skills, his technique. He understands, but he just out physical a lot of guys at ODU, um, which you can't do, right? Um, he'll have to, he'll have to refine that, but he's not devoid of the ability to do it. He's not going to be the guy where coach says, boy, I wish he could just, I wish he had a little better feet. I, I, I wish he was a little faster, man. We could use, a, use him more. He has all of that. They just got to coach that. They got to coach it. He's got to, you know, so. Um, and they got a great are, defensive backs coach. Uh, Jerome Henderson, yeah. He's as good as they come. Um, but that's what they like about him. Um, so imagine Corey Webster a raw Corey Webster in terms of his athleticism uh, and his physicality. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who wins the job next to Okereke. They certainly have bolstered, um, they certainly have bolstered the interior, which means that when Dexter has to come off the field for a blow, when Leonard Williams has to come off the field for a blow, I mean, listen, internally, by their own admission last year, because they were so salary cap struck, there were players that they wanted to bring in during the course of the season, veteran guys yeah. that they simply could not afford. So they went with what they had and they went with what they could afford. So now they go and they get uh, Nacho from the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Ashawn Robinson. They draft a big body. They've brought in some more guys. So they have a true rotation, you know, so that, you know, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, your best players, are not gassed as the yeah. game goes on. And you got a line, see. you got a linebacker that can clean it up a little bit too. Yeah. So if you stay to the front four, I can tell you this, it may be hard just based on the way they're doing things. I'm sorry, the way they've done things this offseason. And I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but literally too, it could be hard for Leonard Williams to get reps on first and second down because they got the big bodies in there. Now he's going to obviously, but there that's the luxury they'll have this year that if you needed Leonard Williams to be fresh on third down, you got some guys in there that will eat those reps up effectively. Right. Um, so they have that luxury. I don't think it, it, it goes against Leonard unless Leonard wants to be an every down player then he's going to have to compete because these two guys, they're going to be two down players. Uh, Leonard is a three down player, but it's going to take some effort to keep those guys off the field on first and second down. Cause if you need to, if you need to play bully ball and you got decks somewhere, you got those two other guys 
that can play bully ball right with him. You know, and then here's the other thing, too. Uh, Leonard Williams can move out to defensive end if he needs to. They can, I mean, the wizard, Wink the wizard can configure some things to get him in some favorable positions. So if they go 3-4 and they move him to a defensive end, they'll they'll still be great. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, teams don't just play A. Right. Three, four or a four, three, they, yeah. depending on snap opponent game plan, you're being a four man front. Most of the time, even though the depth chart that the PR department hands out at the beginning of the week in the media notes lists you as a three, four, I mean, yeah. that's the way the game has evolved. And, you know, I was talking with Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator the other day, uh, taping an in the puddle uh, in the huddle giants podcast. You know, one of the things that, you know, how the league is always evolving, Carl. And one of the things that I noticed last year was you had more teams rushing for between 185 and 225 yards a game. And to me, as the league over the last 10 years has exploded into a passing league and teams have drafted speedier, undersized linebackers and pass rushers to get up the field and get pressure on the quarterback, I think one of the natural adjustments we saw last year is, okay, you know what? They're, sh- they're showing a light box. We're going to be balanced enough where we're going to run against that light box and we're going to put up numbers. And there were teams, uh, you know, I was charting it. Like it felt like every weekend there was at least five or six teams that ran for between 185 sure. and 220 yards as a team, which is, you know, quite a jump from we've seen over the past decade. And, you know, 90% of those teams won the games. The yeah. Teams weren't running for 210 and losing. So I think that's I think that's a subtle shift that we're seeing in the National Football League a little bit. Point, counterpoint. So I think that's why you need to have versatile players on yeah. the defensive side of the ball that, could, that are sturdy enough to hold up against the run but could also get upfield if the team's throwing on you. Sure, and that's... Um... You know, I've, I've looked at this for years because everybody drafts by according to what's trending, right? So everybody sees the Philadelphia Eagles and the um, Kansas City Chiefs and the Joe Burrow-led uh, Bengals, and you say, boy, they spread it out and they move the ball a lot, right? Well, what they do, they put competent players on the outside, but they've got an offensive line that's versatile enough to pass and run block, which means you put a back back there, you're going to have to have defensively, you're going to have to be able to cover the entire field, but you got to be physical enough on your interior to stop the run. And most defenses are now built to rush the passer, built to blitz, and they're not stout enough to, to hold up against the run. And the Giants proved that it was not by uh, design, but by personnel and talent. They just didn't have guys that could hold up at the second level of the defense. So, yeah, I think having Okereke, uh, having a guy like Dorian Beavers back, Dorian Beavers is a big kid, long rangey, can play both run and pass. That's what you need, especially when now that you've had it, some more talent on the outside of your defense with uh, uh, Deontay Banks, whenever they get him in there, they got versatility uh, and flexibility. When you have a guy like uh, Trey Hawkins who compliments the rest of the guys that are out there. So 
you know, having some size on the field will definitely uh, counteract some of the things that teams will look at you. And it used to be in the past game when they would go check with me, they find the weak link at defensive back. And then they call that. Now they look at the box. They can find a weak link. It's a run pass option league right now. Anyway, they can look at it and say, okay, if I'm passing, it's going to you. But if I'm running, we're running this play right here because they have a light box in there. I'm really excited this year for training camp for the one. I mean, let's face it. The teams, unlike when you played and even, you know, into the two thousands, um, there's much less live that goes into training camp practices than there used to be once mm -hmm. 2011 and the lockout and the new CBA and no two a days and everything is, it, it's much more controlled, but you know, the one-on-ones are the one-on-ones. I mean, that's mono mm -hmm. a mono. And I, I'm very excited to watch these defensive tackle ends working against the giants interior offensive linemen and one-on-ones. I'm excited to see, how the rookie center is going to hold up. I'm excited to see these defensive linemen going against the Giants offensive linemen. And then with Deontay Banks there and with Jalen Hyatt there and with Paris Campbell there and, you know, the additions that the Giants made at the wide receiver position, uh, I'm really excited to watch the one-on-ones between the corners and the wide receivers this year. Yeah, that could truly be a uh, iron sharpens iron type deal uh Paris Campbell blazing speed obviously uh, Jalen Hyatt you know that's the one thing they say he does well is run fast uh and he's got great hands but I love the fact personally I love the fact that everyone's talking about the new acquisitions of Campbell uh Hyatt in the most competitive wide receiver in the room who will be heard from will be Slayton. Darius Slayton is the most competitive guy. When it comes to those receivers, if you tell him somebody's faster than him, he's going to make, I mean, he, he's that, just that guy. So he's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun wide receiver group. Um, and they have a lot of flexibility in the room. Um, but in terms of getting the other side of the football better and being able to simulate your biggest threats in the division, be it the Dallas Cowboys with CeeDee Lamb or um, the three wide receivers or basically, yeah, the three wide receivers in Philadelphia, you can simulate that in practice and you can get real-time speed um, because they have the type of receivers that, this defensive backfield will have to face and they will give them real time, real speed reenactments. Right. Um, and then uh, these wide receivers and I, I love, and I said it on Twitter, um, the offensive play callers, Brian Dable um, and his staff, Mike Kafka and company, they were very creative with very limited talent. And what, what they've accomplished in this draft and in free agency and even returning players, I said that 
um, if healthy, they'll have more packages than UPS and FedEx together. I mean, they'll put some packages on the field that will drive, you know, defenses crazy because we're, we're, we just named four wide receivers and we have not even talked about uh, their last year's top wide receiver. Um, Wondell Robinson. Yeah. Wondell Robinson uh, is coming back and he was a big contributor for them. So they've got a lot to work with. Um, Sterling Shepard will be back. He's a competitive kid. Um, he's not costing them a lot of money. He's going to be on the roster. He gives them leadership, but he also gives them production. So it's a lot. They got, I'm just telling you, these guys, these, these, uh, this head coach and coordinator, you could see, I, they'll have more packages than UPS. I'm telling you right now. They can, and then Darren Waller, FYI, right? They can put, they can put you in a lot of different looks and, They'll put you in conflict if you're a defensive coordinator because they got a lot. And we know for a fact that they can call plays because they did it with very little talent last year. And they were able to be creative enough. Yeah, I mean, and then you have Waller and Bellinger on the field at the same time. There was a lot to like about what Bellinger did last year. The other thing about Waller, just in wrapping up about the roster, Look, the matchups in training camp, the one-on-ones, look, we're all looking forward to watching McKinney and Waller go at each other. But I I have complete confidence in Xavier McKinney, despite the accident that he had last year and then trying to get back, you know, whereas this season, knock on wood, he comes in, he's completely healthy. But they're going to get a great feel read for whoever the safety is opposite Xavier McKinney by the reps those guys are going to get with the competition mm-hmm. they're going to get in training camp with Waller and Bellinger tight end and how they handle those guys. So they're, they're, going, to, they're going to have great competition to make a decision as to who's the other starting safety is going to be. Yeah, they, they will have uh, they will have good competition and they're going to be better as a result of this. Your quarterback's going to be better because he's going to be challenged by better talent in practice. Right. So he's going to have to be better. He's going to be challenged by better talent at the wide receiver position. So his timing, uh, rhythm, and pacing of his passes are all going to change from last year. And that's why those guys got together and they, they went and worked out together this offseason. But these are the things that um, sh- you should be excited about. No, by the way, that guy. You know, 26 Saquon Barkley, he can catch pretty well too. So, I mean, there's just so much. And then it all comes back to, okay, well, can they block it? And how can you block it? How can you get there? Well, if you can run the football, you'll be able to pass block in this league. Because again, like you said, the trend is a lot of yardage rushing. And if you got somebody that will be a legitimate threat to your defense running the football, then you got to you've got to commit to stopping it. If you don't, you're going to give up 300 yards rushing in a single game. Um, There's one more person though, Bob, that I want to hit on uh, in this draft class that, you know, everybody's excited about Jalen Hyatt. And we've heard uh, that he's a one trick pony. 
He can just run fast, run deep. He doesn't run the route tree. Uh, I think they are, you know, that critique is completely wrong. Um, but it has some uh, validity to it in that the kid has never had to do that, right? I've seen him run routes, right? And to say that he can't is just stupid because he's a wide receiver. But he's never had to use that because he just ran by people in college. And you can't project what he'll be based on what he was needed to do in college, right? So if mm -hmm. you haven't seen him do it, don't mean he can't. He's a he's a freaking uh, SEC wide receiver. Of course he can, right? Um, but what he will have to do is increase his, I don't know why, I want to say this and not be offensive to him because it's not meant to be offensive. But he's got to increase his football IQ as it relates to using that speed to his advantage on all of his other routes, right? So he has what he has to his advantage right now is guys in the room like Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, and Darren Waller, and Sterling Shepard. All guys that can run routes differently, right? But the one thing that he has. He can set everything up off of his speed. But when you do that, and you'll see this on the inside the film room, if you got a guy who can respect your speed and you have to run an eight-yard comeback because it's third and seven and you want to catch the ball at eight, you can't run a seven-yard comeback with your comeback at your speed, knowing that the receiver, I mean the defensive back is going to give you a ton of cushion, and you come back short of the line, I mean, short of the yard to gain. It's going to be unacceptable um, at this level, given your talent base, right? Because you can push a wide receiver. I mean, you can push a defensive back to give you whatever cushion you want because you got the speed that they have to respect. So when, it, when I say your football IQ or your wide receiver, I'm just talking about the things that you can use to your advantage based on what you have right now walking through the door. And that's not that you can't run a route. Is it how you set up your routes, how you set up your down and distance situational football, because that's where you're going to be counting on most. Um, when a guy's got to defend against something deep or a deep crossing route, um, can you run a bang eight, right? Can you make a guy think you're running an over route and all of a sudden hit it back to the corner? Setting those things up is going to be his next challenge. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's the natural progression for all rookies that come into the NFL mm -hmm. because the NFL is much more precise. The windows open and close faster. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is, is done at a higher level because everybody that you're playing against has made it through the funnel to actually get to the NFL. Yeah. And there are, there are weeks that you play in college football where you're playing against guys who were five-star recruits, whatever, but they're never getting to the NFL. Their, their journey yeah. ended in college. Now you're playing against people who are the few greatest football players on the planet. Even the last guy on the roster in training camp is better than 99% of the people that played football in the same right. age group when they suited it up. Yep. So the precise level uh, becomes even higher.
Hey, Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, scores. Get the latest odds, lines, and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online, your sports intel headquarters this season. They got you covered basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL playoffs, golf, UFC, boxing. Get in on the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Couple more things here, Carl. Um, I don't want to get heavy into the schedule. I know that uh, you and I did that podcast for the Giants uh, with the instant reaction from the schedule. I know fans, uh, you know, they get very fired up. They're fans that are very annoyed about the, you know, three road games in a row. I got it. Um, you know, the giants will play home on October the 29th against the jets. They won't be home for a month when they take on the Patriots. Um, <clears throat> you got the four primetime games in the first six, got a whole bunch of road games early in the season. Having been in the building a lot this past week, um, a lot, I mean, from early in the morning until late in the day and being around everybody on the football side of it and talking with people. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care about any of it. There was not one person that I talked to privately when I asked about the schedule. Now, people in the marketing department, people in sales, people in other parts of the building that are really want the team to do well and are fans of the team. And it makes everybody's job easier. If the team does well, yeah, they look at the schedule and you're sitting around the cafeteria, man, can you believe this? It got the back-to-back West coast short week. And then they got this trip and then three in a row. And they got to go to Miami Buffalo back-to-back and then two games out of the last three are against Philly. And the football people don't care. Every one of them said to me, we knew we had to play all these guys. We knew we were playing them this year. We knew our schedule was going to be hard. We knew that the day the regular season ended, who we were playing and how hard it was going to be. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how they, (laughs) it doesn't matter how they stack them. Right. We still got to play them. And, and Dable said, he goes, you think I'm worrying about like, back-to-back or a three-game road trip other than the logistics of how are we going to manage that with the players to keep our players right. fresh? Because, But if you think I'm not, not – I'm worried about our team getting better each and every day during OTAs, creating a high level of competition for training camp, making each practice better and better, watching the progress of the team as we're building our game plan and putting our game plan together for the Cowboys and then that back-to-back he goes, you think I'm worrying about October and how the schedule falls then? No. He goes, no. you start worrying about that stuff because you're beaten right out of the gate. And here's the other part, too. Uh, folks, the schedule, the strength of schedule is only as permanent as the ink that's written on that paper at that time. Because depending on what the health is of a team, by the time you get them on your schedule, they get you on their schedule. It's a totally different perspective. So, you know, I, I think the only only certain 
certainties that you have is looking at your division games, right? You know who those guys are. You know what they're going to be. Outside of that, you just got to worry about what your team's health is. Every team wants to be healthy going into every game. So it's not a matter of, well, you know, it's the big bad wolf of this. You know, teams lose quarterbacks, teams lose key players. Every team does. So you'll just have to play them when you play them, but they won't be the same as they are on the ink that's written on that schedule. No, the strength of schedule. Once you get through the first month of the season, <clears throat> the first five or six weeks, the strength of schedule from the off season doesn't matter. It's the strength yeah. of schedule of how those teams doing this year. Yep. I mean, yep. And, and I don't want to wish any ill will on anybody, but I could list about five quarterbacks and some key personnel in the giant schedule through the first eight games. And what happens if some, somebody on one of those teams that they're playing in October gets hurt, yeah. like an important piece changes the landscape of everything. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I, I know that you've been active on Twitter about another sport and the NBA and, uh, John Morant. I, you, you were, uh, you were going back and forth with some people on Twitter. Anything else you want to get off your chest about that situation? No, I, look, I mean, I think everybody has covered it, but you know, it's the the thing that I tell my kids and that my my parents told me: just because someone else can do it, it don't mean that you can or you should. Uh, and I say that because nothing's illegal about owning a firearm, especially in in Tennessee. You can buy a gun without a permit, no background check. But don't mean you should do it. Um, there's a reason why you make the money you make and the people that do those things make the money they make. Now, if you want to go do what they do, then forfeit everything you've worked hard for and go do that. But you ain't going to have it both ways, especially when you're in the branding business, when brands invest in you, when the NBA is protecting its image, and, and by the way, protecting your image too, uh, because they want to promote you. But if you, it's it's fine. If you want to go do that, my father would say, if you want to go do that, you can go live somewhere else, right? <laughs> so you can find another occupation because just because it's legal, don't make it something you should do, right? Um, if you're a bank employee and you just purchased a handgun in, in Tennessee, you can't go up in that bank waving your gun in front of your employees because <laughs> it's legal, right? You can't, you just can't, but it's still legal, right? But the bank <laughs> says, you ain't coming in here with a gun. And open up that window now. <laughs> yeah, open the door. I work here. You know, no, it doesn't work that way. So um, I am, you know, pro responsible gun ownership. I'm, I'm not even getting into that. So that's not even it. Right. It, the bottom line is you can do whatever you want, but you ain't going to be able to work wherever you want by doing those things. You know, those you can't legislate human behavior. I say that all the time. But there's a sense of self-awareness and there's a sense of, you know, my job requires me to do these things and I make a lot of money. And here's the other thing I'll say. When the rappers are rapping, 
about you bringing a gun in a club and shooting people on and off the court like job ja Morant, you doing NBA life wrong. Because most of the rappers are rapping about Steph Curry, Chef Curry cooking, LeBron cooking. They're not thinking about any thug life. So you know you got it wrong. Or maybe the NBA got you wrong. And you need to go be there because they're rapping about all the wrong things about you, right? So you're projecting the wrong image. That's it, you know, do what you want, but you ain't gonna be able to do it where you wanna do it. You ain't gonna keep that same job doing the, keeping that same behavior. Well, it's with just you. like contractually with us, with the NFL and yeah. me with Golf Channel, there's things that they just <clears throat> won't tolerate. And they're like, well, if you wanna do that, then you can go somewhere else to yeah, do go, it, but you're not working work for us. So, yeah. You can't do it for us. All right. Anything else? Are we good? I think we're good, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, we're back. We're back. Enjoy the episode. That's right. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Make sure you join Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.